Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Brian McLaughlin. And with us this evening is Dr. Messina Morris. She is assistant professor of chemistry at Morehouse College, and she is a pioneer in using VR in education. Dr. Morris, we are so excited to speak with you this evening. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Very, very excited to be here. Dr. Morris, can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So first and foremost, I am a wife and wife to a gamer, a true gamer, uh, a guy that builds gaming computers, who loves everything technology, everything in our house talks to each other. Uh, So his name is Chris Morris. Um, He's a network design engineer. So uh, by day and by night, he is used to be a World of Warcraft leader. (laughs) Uh, but uh but then uh, i'm also a mom of five sons uh ages ranging from 25 all the way to four wow so one of my sons is also well all of the sons game or or are involved in technology in some kind of way so the oldest son is electrical engineer and um then transformed himself into a ui ux ux designer so that's what he does now um the next one is, is is basically really mechanical, hands-on, can do anything with his hands, uh, just actually rebuilt his car, wow. <laughs> uh, bought a shell of a car, and then just transferred all the parts because his car got wrecked in a hit and run, and so that's been his project, so he's here with hands, uh, and then I have my 16-year-old basketball ath- athlete um, who who likes Fortnite, so that's my Fortnite guy, you know. Uh, and then I have my um, 13 year old who has autism. So he's on the autism spectrum. His name is Seth. And uh, Seth, I tell him he's going to be somebody's hacker. I'm trying to just try to keep him off the dark web. And then I have uh, my four year old who, you know, he's the best of all of them. So he's going to do everything better than all the rest of them will do. So, uh, awesome. so all boys. And then um I am a professor of chemistry, so an academic program director at Morehouse College, all black, all male college in Atlanta, Georgia, alma mater of Martin Luther King Jr. And um, Spike Lee is is, is an alum, so is uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, Many, many wonderful uh, people have come out of that college, that space in Atlanta, Georgia and Atlanta University Center. I am actually a graduate of Clark Atlanta University. So right there across the street from Morehouse. Um, so I kind of made, had a full circle kind of experience where I started undergraduate school at Clark Atlanta, got my bachelor's in chemistry, went to Emory University, got my uh, master's and PhD in biomolecular chemistry, and then just went into the professoriate. So I did some K-12 teaching in between, but then, um, so I'm a certified teacher in science um, in the state of Georgia. And then I transitioned on to uh, the higher education level. And so I've been at Spelman before. I've taught there um, in their biology and chemistry uh, departments. And then I I landed finally safely and soundly at Morehouse College. And I'm very happy to be there and to be over the chemistry program there. So that was a lot, but that's tremendous. No, and uh, Adam and I both also have full houses ourselves, and uh, so for those of our listeners that heard that banging in the background, that was my eight-year-old trying to get herself a cup of water. So uh, we we get the full house thing. Um, 
We would love to hear. We know that, you know, there's some tremendous things going on at Morehouse right now, specifically with VR and education. We would love for you to just tell us a little bit about that. You know, how did Morehouse decide that VR was the direction to go? What are some of the things that are taking place in VR and education there? Um, we want to hear all about it. So um, originally, how I was introduced to the VR experience, and it was still through Victory XR. So Steve Grubbs um, has a company, Victory XR, and I know you all had them on him, him and he and Renee on the show. Yes, before. we have. Yep. Good friends of the podcast. But, um, we started working with them. So I am also the science research coordinator for uh, the TRIO federal programs, Upward Bound. So it's first generation um, high school students that come and experience and get exposed to college curriculum. And so I've been doing that for a lot of years. And so about six years at Morehouse. And this is when COVID that summer came and we were trying to decide, were we going to uh, have our program or what were we going to do? We didn't want to exhaust the students on Zoom all day long. So how are we going to do science? And and we found out about, of course, we we're going to do robotics with them and some coding, but we found Victory XR and they had just developed the entire science curriculum um, in virtual reality. Now it was using the three DOF system, the, the Pico, and but we were able to to plan lessons, our students were able, able to be in, in, in an immersive environment. The, the drawbacks of that was that we couldn't be there with them along the way. So sure. they were there and then we would discuss it on Zoom afterwards, but it was still a wonderful introduction to the VR experience, especially for these students. A lot of them live in rural areas. Um, and so, and we didn't really have a lot of connectivity issues, which was which was a great thing, but we also had hotspots to give them. And so then I was asked to be a part of kind of like a pilot program. So Morehouse's provost, uh, Dr. Michael Hodge at the time, he was the provost. Now he is the director of the Atlanta University Center Consortium. Okay. And he had written a grant uh, because Deshante Carmen, who was the program manager um, over this particular virtual reality project, just was fired up about it. So we had talked a lot about trying to integrate technologies into uh, our science classrooms. And a lot of my science colleagues are, are real old school, real, you know, you have to be face-to-face, -face, you have to get that lab boom experience. And so there was a lot of pushback, but then COVID hit. And it was almost like the perfect kind of combination. So now people are seeking opportunities and we have some grant funding that we can use to um, explore VR more um, in the classroom. And so he, we put together this little group and I, I went to several demos and got to do like the tour of the Victory XR campus. At first I was engaging before I got the Oculus, I was engaging on my laptop. So I was able to actually just get in there and see what they did at first you know on the laptop experience it's like oh, i'm not really quite sure right you know it's it's kind of the same as any other lab simulation that you see but when we got the oculus headset so first we started with the oculus and then we got the oculus quest 2 so so and we're able to like 
immerse ourselves in the environment, be there together. I like the haptic feedback of the joysticks. You're able to hit hands. You can feel it. Like all of that was like so dope. And I was sold. I was like, listen, I'm going to do it. I don't care. The only drawback at the time was they didn't have a lot of chemistry content. And I was like, how am I going to pull this off with the courses that I also teach? So I teach advanced level chemistry. I teach advanced in well, I was slated in the spring when we would implement to teach advanced in organic chemistry. And I was thinking, okay, like, how am I going to create content and also give the students relevant things? So I didn't want them to just be like how we are over Zoom. Like, I didn't want them to just be in the headset watching me lecture that that wasn't going to be the experience that we wanted we wanted to really give them a hands-on skill base they were learning they were maneuvering and so the whole idea of bringing a molecule that that you can't see with the visible eye to life was was kind of like the model it was advanced in organic chemistry is about um engaging the the metals the transition metals and the transition metals in into uh, molecules and then looking at all of the symmetry, all the coordination chemistry. So it's very visual spatial oriented. And so choosing to exploit that in, in VR was, was kind of like, that was my focus. So we started out developing uh, a Vesper theory kind of module where students had to actually put together their own molecule in the correct molecular geometry. But the thing about it is it could be as large as they wanted or it could be as small as they wow. wanted it. Um, they, they were able to work in groups on it. So they didn't really understand like how to place the lone pairs or how to, you know, really organize that they were able to, you know, we were able to work they were able to work in groups um and talk to just the people by them because they had 3d voice which is which is like a real cool thing uh but we really were laser focused on providing that visual spatial um understanding that so many chemists lack because you can't see any molecules in real life and so then if they could actually create it, if they could kind of look at symmetry differently, if they can kind of look at the coordination chemistry and the point groups and actually see it and blow it up and, and explore, then they would have a different kind of appreciation. Um, and then I've long since done active learning through like uh, problem-based learning and uh, investigative case-based learning since um, I was a graduate student. I was an NSF fellow and we, we, I was a teaching fellow. And so we implemented that into the K-12 curriculum. And so I knew that even if they didn't have, if like if I, they didn't have a lot of chemistry content, that was still okay because I could create case-based real world kind of scenarios for students where they could then apply the knowledge that they had in chemistry to solving a problem. So one of the modules that we did about acid-based chemistry, because it's a little bit different with metals, but we talked about, it, the name of it is called Gertie's Dilemma. So the a college student, Morehouse student is really stressed, has so many exams and, you know, eats a whole bunch of pizza, binge, you know, uh, binge eating and cramming and, and just develops a terrible case of GERD. And uh, so then like, what does he do? And so they got to go on virtual field trips and um, go through the digestive tract. So they learned really 
a lot about inflamed tissues. A lot of our students also want to go into the medical field. So it was like really right up their alley. They were so excited about it. So developing cases was really, really important um, when it was not, when the chemistry content wasn't developed. So I've spent some time thinking about how to really use this to use VR to help build the skills that you need at the bench for chemists but it's still got a little ways to go for development. Um, but that's how I got engaged. And, and like I said, and I worked with a small team of teachers. Um, so it was a, a group of four and we did it across disciplines. So that was also a wonderful thing. So I wasn't at it alone. So I had um, colleagues in, in biology, uh, Dr. Ethel Vereen, he taught a men's health course. So it was first year students who were engaged in a first year experience course. Um, and, and they did a lot of modules simply on um, men's health and, and black men's health and getting them to raise their awareness of their, their own health and health risks. And they talked about health disparities. And so they were able to engage with the content really, really deeply because there's a lot of anatomy content on on NVR on the engaged platform already. And so he did that. And then we had history uh, professor, Dr. Ovell Hamilton, who um, taught world history. And so he created these, these World War II bomber planes and in these ships that they were on. And he I was taught about to ask to see the gentleman that has the battleship. Yes, yes. yes. I, I've seen pictures of the battleship. Yes. Yep. So, um, so Dr. Hamilton, and then we had another um, professor, Dr. Tanya Clark, who she's actually teaching her Blacks in Wonderland. It's also an honors level first year experience course at Morehouse, and she developed the curriculum for it herself, and now she's doing it in virtual reality. But she, as she was developing, she came in and did some cross disciplinary instruction in our biology and in our um in biology and in chemistry and we did a lesson on Henrietta Lacks so I talked about it in my advanced inorganic class because we do metals and medicine and so we talked about radium being her treatment but then how now chemotherapy drugs are are platinum based uh so we talked about the metal component metallic component but then they the students also had to read a literature piece and so she came in and lectured and had a dialogue and discussion with them about um, just their feelings about that, feelings about how her cells then, even though her family was denied any kind of uh, compensation for the use of her cells, they really weren't aware of it, but it led and drove the discovery of what is now healing people of this illness. So it was just really a good, good lesson. And she did the same thing in men's health and talked to them about, about cancer, but they also referenced this literary works. And so she talks about Afrofuturism and just the, the heroic uh, nature of, of the Black person, like in, in history, throughout history. So it was really, really interesting. My students, I think that was their favorite, favorite um, one. That's Dr. Great. Morris, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you mentioned that uh, there's still a long way to go in VR and, and you know, Ryan and I have seen uh, the power of VR, but also are excited about the growth opportunity. Do you think, you know, personally, I, I, my kids just started school and, uh, you know, they've already been sent home for 10 days for, uh, the, you know, the Delta Strand. The whole school district is shut down for 10 days. Are you so serious? I'm, yeah. And so I'm, and this like in the third day of school so i'm curious um you know 
what would it take? Do you think that a school could be executed completely in VR as an alternative to Zoom right now? And what would it take if it is if, if the answer is no, what do you think it would take? And how soon do you think we'll be in a place where we can have a school executed completely in uh, in the Engage platform or some alternative VR social platform? So I think that it's wishful thinking to to believe that we could have an all like a school that is completely in virtual reality. And, and I say that for various reasons. So I would like it. Um, I think that you can get more done in less time. And I never, as much as I love school and I've went through a lot of it and I still am teaching in school, I didn't like the long school day, you know, and as a, but in virtual reality, I feel like you can really uh, engage a lot of the senses. You, there are no distractions. Uh, you have a lot of control over your students in a different kind of way. So classroom management is an issue and you have their 100% attention. So even on Zoom, students are in their homes and they're learning and they're distracted because mom and dad are walking in the kitchen. People are walking back and forth to, to go to the door. The doorbell's ringing. People are dropping off Amazon packages. I mean, so they are distracted and, and, and not as involved and engaged as they should be. Um, and then you got YouTube that they can just kind of flip the, you know, to the next tab. Uh, and in, in VR, you really can't do that. You have to actually be present. And so you, the teacher has the students 100% attention and, and that I do like you cell phones, not a problem. You know, you, you don't have to worry about anything like that. And the reason why I say, so there are good reasons why it should be uh, done. There are a lot of limitations. Some of it is development. And I say this um, in the sense of you use the, the, the joysticks, right? So in chemistry, what makes a chemist a chemist, even though it's a traditional liberal arts kind of major, very, very traditional uh, science major, chemistry is very vocational too. The, the, the reason why you are a good chemist is your ability to handle glassware in a lab in the appropriate manner. So you have to have certain hours at the bench. And that's why our labs are so long because it takes a certain level of dexterity that takes a lot of attention to detail. There's a lot of um, expertise that goes into learning these skills and, and dogged repetition of these skills is what builds you into being a good chemist, knowing how to have setups that you can move from station to station fluidly. And, um, and so that part of it while using a joystick, you're not using your fingers or your hands in a way where you can actually like grasp. Now I've looked into haptic glove technology and like then how that could be incorporated perhaps. And then students could probably build up certain dexterity because then they're pouring into containers or they're actually turning the um, the caps or, or, or the I can look, I can't even think of what the name of it, but they're turning the burettes and they're actually measuring and stopping and starting on the stopcock. So they're actually using all of the lab equipment the way that they should, um, in the way that they would in, in, in the real world. That's one of the limitations. Also, another limitation is development and development of lessons by teachers. So there's not a whole lot of time, especially like when you're trying to pivot as fast as we did, to develop. So I just, I live with a whole bunch of gamers 
and um, I became the cool mom, right? So like for me, my kids didn't mind me being in my headset on a Saturday, you know, or, oh, mommy's working on her virtual reality stuff. Like they thought that was like the coolest thing. And they were like, leave her alone. She's doing something great. It is you know? the coolest thing in the world for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, for me, I spent a lot, a lot of hours creating the space where my students were going to, to be in and creating um, the tools that they needed to be successful, creating the assessments, creating just, just the entire layout. And I would record myself doing it. And, and, and so it took a lot of time. It was like a production. It, it really was um, to get everything where it needed to be. For the average teacher who may not have the technical expertise or interest it can be difficult to sure. be in that space uh, with students all the time, um, especially for someone who may have may experience their own type of sensory issues. So for me, uh, even VR stamina is a thing, right? So like mo- VR sickness. So I'll never forget. Uh, I was doing a VR tour with uh, Danny Coyle and he was like, yeah, you can stand up because, you know, I would be stationary all the time. He was like, oh, try it standing up. You have to try it standing up. And so decided I was going to try it standing up and set my boundaries. And we were walking through this dissected pig. (laughs) All I know is he was like, hey, bend down through here and go walk through the rib cage and through the sternum and you could look up and so like I was doing this right so I was like okay Danny okay okay Danny I gotta go I gotta go I gotta go like I was like trying to shut it down like I just knew I was about to lose my cookies and I was like oh lord this is over so I sent my kids and my husband a message I was like listen I'm really really sick I just been in VR and like I don't know what happened like my husband was like you're not a real gamer oh brutal So there, there, there was, there was a real, and I was like determined. So I'm really determined. So now you, now you're picking on me. Now you're trying to say I'm not, you know, a, a real gamer. So I'm like, oh no, I'm going to get this. And so like, I spent time building up that VR stamina. You know, I would just sure. get in there and do a dance game. I would get in there and I would just play. And so I encouraged my students to also do that. And so by the time they had to actually do any real work in virtual reality, our lessons could be longer and our engagement could be longer and fuller, a, a more, you know, full experience. We still didn't spend more than an hour and 20 minutes, I don't think, at a time ever yeah. in, 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 the, in the experience. And I think for children, especially, um, you know, as much as it's engaging and, and wonderful, I still think that even though we have been virtual for as long as we have, just that screen time that not being able to go outside during the day, not getting that recess. It's just, you can't really compare it. The only way that you can compare it is if they actually have a safe space in their home where they could actually move around in virtual reality and do the actual exercise and do, but everybody doesn't have that. And then everyone doesn't have great connectivity for us. We were able to supply hotspots for our students, but then say you live in a rural area where it's only one cell tower anyway, so a hotspot is not really going to make much of a difference for you. Or if you're in a house like mine, well, I have my husband's a network engineer, so it's a little different. But it's seven people in here, and everybody's on the internet. 
So bandwidth issues, right? So there's a lot of different reasons why a completely immersive VR school is just, we just don't have the technology quite yet there for everyone, you know, for it to be like an even playing field. So then you would see those that have certain advantages be able to experience this uh, wonderful, wonderful thing called VR. And then you would have other areas where students couldn't, you know, and we've already seen some of the disparities in technology for, for you know, lower socioeconomic students, uh, students in very rural areas, um, students that have other problems, so they can't have an Oculus Quest 2 in their home because someone might, you know, still, honestly, let's be clear, you know, someone might take it or, you know, um, and so then they're robbed of that experience and there's no real way to keep that from happening you know, because children are vulnerable, right? So they all, they're just a product of their circumstance and whether they want it to be in that experience or not, that's where they are. And so just trying to keep in mind these kind of constraints and, and try to make the plan, level the playing field for everyone, it kind of makes it difficult to say, okay, school should be completely immersive and in virtual reality. Because to be honest, even though we're giving, school districts are giving Chromebooks and things like that to students, some students still don't have the capacity to be engaged like that on that kind of, or have that kind of technology around um, and it be safe either for sure. them. So. That's a great, that's a great answer. Yeah. Dr. Morris, I would, you know, Adam and I talked to a lot of people um, and we're so excited about Morehouse College because you guys are really on the cutting edge of implementing VR. You know, we, especially in post-secondary education, we aren't familiar with very many universities or colleges yet that are even trying to get into this field. And you guys are really leading the way. Um, I would love to hear your take on what it means for the city of Atlanta to have a college um, in, a, in a place that's a tech hub, but doesn't really come to people's mind. The first, you know, if I say tech hub, Atlanta may not be the first, you know, people are going to say Seattle, Austin, whatever. Um, yeah. But Atlanta's a tech hub now. What does it mean for the city to have Morehouse College really leading the way and pioneering in this field? So it's kind of like, you know, the city is holding this, this very uh, prized possession and, and, and the whole world is just now finding out about it, you know, and Morehouse is a small school. Um, many people have heard about it because great leaders have come from Morehouse, but to hear that this small school that doesn't have the, like we are, we are stretched as, as right? So like we have, we wear a lot of hats. We serve in a lot of ways in the community. Um, like I, I've given you at least five job descriptions since I've been on here, right? So we serve in a lot of ways, but innovation is a huge deal at Morehouse. Innovation and, and giving our students that, that experience with cutting edge technologies. And so for the city of Atlanta, it is really going to, to set Atlanta up for being that tech hub. So maker spaces and things like that have been popping up in areas around the city. Um, and little startup companies have, have come and, and they've been doing pitch competitions 
and things in the innovation and entrepreneurship space. And so now we have this ed tech that we're, we're using and we're using it in a way that's not just for gamification, we're actually using it to educate students. And for us, it's going to make us uh, leaders in this space and, and allow other universities to know, especially on the post-secondary level, that you can also do this too. One of the things that made Morehouse so unique is that we had buy-in from the top down already. So we had already had the support of our provost who is over academic affairs. And so because he was already all in, it made it easier for us to implement and to go ahead and roll it out. Um, this upcoming year, we're extending this opportunity to do virtual reality and other classes with other professors. And so we presented all over the college uh, as we were going through our pilot. But, you know, some, some, some professors love it and some still are like, yeah. The one thing that VR will allow, even though we're going back to an in-person model, is we don't have to worry about social distancing. Our students can still work very closely together. We don't have to worry about mass protocols. Um, so even though people are, are not quite ready to accept that we have this, this big thing that's going on, they're also very receptive to the idea that, wait a minute, this might really work because we, we're trying to keep our community safe. Um, but for Atlanta, this is, I don't think that we really even realize, because I'm from, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, from, I'm from Decatur, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta. But sure. um, I don't think we really, I don't even think the city yet realizes what we've done yet. I don't think the world has realized what we've done yet. Um, I think that it's kind of like still a fantasy, still kind of like, you really did that? Tell me how you did that. You know what I mean? Like, right. explain it, you know? And so as, as more and more people start to, and I think that, you know, like I said, I, the Delta variant is really changing the game too um, with, with COVID. And so I think that we're gonna all at some point, and I, I, I hate to be like, the bearer of bad news as a scientist, but I don't think that we're going to actually be able to be in person much longer. Uh, kind of like you said, Adam, you know, the three days in, like, you know, shut down. So I think that having access to this kind of technology is going Doc, to be paramount. Dr. Morris, I got a hot tip. I would invest in a VR school right now if I were you. I would I would take that, <laughs> that surplus that you're getting from Morehouse being a chemistry teacher, and I would invest in anybody that is uh, offering an alternative to Zoom school. Yes, because people, Zoom, listen, Zoom fatigue is so real. Oh, it is. It's real. It, it, it is, is so incredibly real. And I, I don't think that I've ever, I mean, like being un, in VR for a long period of time, the only thing about being in VR for a long thing of time period of time for me that was difficult was that the battery died too soon like like the battery died too soon for me you know like I, i'd be hooked up to, to to the power extension it's like i wanted more time but like with zoom and then i didn't feel exhausted afterwards but for being on zoom and being on any other collaborative tool like during the day it's literally like i'm taking a nap i don't know what it is i don't know what the real difference is but um 
No, but I, I've experienced that myself. It's definitely for real. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So, uh, yes, I will invest in a VR school. You might just see me um, with my own. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Because uh-oh. I do have, I, hey, listen. So one of the things that I didn't talk to you all about, or we haven't quite talked about, is how I really feel about the use of this technology. So I did mention that I have a son by the name of Seth, who is 13, diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at the age of three, who has become my entire world. Uh and and I've merged the science that I do and, and the advocacy that I do uh, and really have changed the focus of my research to kind of make sure that I am including those with all different uh, learning abilities. And so um, in my research group, so I have the Morris Research and Innovation Lab or MRI Lab, we 3D print specialized lab equipment for those who have autism. And so one of my dreams is to actually have the capability to have this um, kind of experience for those who are on the spectrum where they can can work on skills and they can work one-on-one with therapists, they can be in different spaces, they can experience different parts of the world. and they can do it without any of the limitations of the uh, of the the stemming that might be uncomfortable for other people yes. or the social anxiety that they experience when walking into a crowd or safety issues of just them crossing the street, um, wandering away and then getting yes. lost in a crowd. So many different capabilities that I think VR can can aid in helping um, someone with autism really get acclimated into the real world. But my big thing is because I am in STEM is to create inclusion in STEM for those who are neurodiverse. They have other skills and abilities that really align themselves well with uh, technology, right? And so um, most of the kids that I know, uh, most of the the children on the spectrum that I have engaged with all have some kind of assistive technology or even just a a tablet or something that they are completely engaged with. And so my, my goal is to really work with my own son and see how much he is really taking to the VR experience and see how he might be able to navigate the world differently if he's completely immersed, free from distractions and not having to deal with other stimuli that he would have to deal with in the real world. And so I am, I have been an advocate for this. Um, like I said, my research lab works on projects that all center around helping those with um, neurodiverse issues be included and, and using technology to do it. So one of our themes is STEAM hits. So helping inclusivity through technological solutions is part of it. So um, really trying to develop tools and, and strategies for those who have autism to be able to engage the world. And if it means that we have to create some kind of technology or use some kind of tool that, that helps them um, as I've created this entire system for them to be able to work in the lab with um, this 3D printing of the lab equipment, whatever it takes to try to get them engaged because they are so talented and have so much knowledge and and capability that we have not yet even tapped into yet. So for me, 
that is exactly what I my my dream is. I used to think that I needed to create a world outside of um, the real world. Like I would say, I would get me some land and I would just have like a camp, you know, where he could be and he could be safe. And then, you know, as I, I thought deeper into it, it, it became, you know, really, I need to educate others on accessibility options for how we can include them. I mean, I want my child to be a part of the world just as much as you want your child to be engaged in a part of the world and um, and, and, and others. So I do this like Super Science Saturday uh, where we engage neurodiverse and neurotypical students in um, science together. Um, but I am a program creator. So that's my thing. Like I will create anything that I need to create to make children who have any kind of disability or, you know, neurodiverse learning issues feel like they are also part of what's going on in this world because they are important. And I need for neurotypical individuals or, you know, to understand what it means to engage purposefully with, with people. Um, And I'm also a sister to a special needs brother. So I have a brother who really drove my curiosity into science because he had meningitis at the age of four and it left him brain damaged. And so he had epilepsy and he, you know, he lived with us and we, we had to take care of him. But I really, I became a chemist because I was so interested in the chemistry of the brain. I wanted to know how the brain worked, what chemicals, what, what was going on that caused his brain to then uh, lose neural activity because the entire left side of his brain um, has no brain activity. So it was really important for me. Um, and that drove me all the way through to a PhD and even the work that I began to do when I first started. So, um, and then having a son that is also on the spectrum and has special needs for me, it's kind of like, I am purpose to do this work. So I am not well, running from it. I'm running right into it and trying to just create solutions for those who have neurodiverse learning issues. Dr. Morris, that is that is incredibly inspirational. Beautiful. We've reached the point in our show where we are going to engage you in the furious five. And I'll turn <laughs> it over to uh, Ryan. I think you may have heard a couple of these episodes, so you know what's coming. But Ryan, I'll turn it over to you. All right, Dr. Morris. So the Furious Five, as you know, is a segment of our show where we ask more just kind of upbeat, fun, get to know you questions uh, to end the show on a high note. They don't necessarily have anything to do with what we've been talking about tonight. We do encourage uh, (laughs) short, rapid fire answers, one sentence, two sentences at the max. Uh, Without any further ado, what is the best video game that you have personally played recently? Ark. Okay. Arc. So we have, so COVID, right? Um, And all five of my sons are here and we have more Xboxes than we need to have um, in the house. (laughs) No judgment here. (laughs) Right. And so um, (laughs) we, there's a game called Arc. And have you all ever heard of Arc? I've heard of it. I'm not super familiar with it. So it's kind of like you start off in this in this world, you know, Adam and Eve kind of situation. You start off with nothing, nothing, literally, um, not even hardly energy, and you build this world. And so me and all of my sons and my husband all have characters and avatars, and we play this game. And so we built us a compound, and we 
uh, you know, they're really good at it. So like they move through the stages of technology and then start having like all this armor and all this kind of stuff. And they go and defeat all the creatures. Now me, on the other hand, I stay near the home front. I don't do that. I feed the animals. <laughs> I feed the animals and I, I tend to the garden because I already went out there and they have like rogue people on these servers that didn't come and rob you and all kinds of oh stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So like I learned to stay near home and I did that, but I had a great time engaging in it. So best video game I played is ARC. That's awesome. Second question of the Furious Five. Uh, you mentioned earlier that one of the many famous uh, alumni of Morehouse College is Spike Lee. What's your favorite Spike Lee movie? Mo Better Blues. Okay. Mo Better Blues. Better Blues, baby. There when I was go. growing up, it was something about that jazz scene. Now, Mo Better Blues is my favorite, but honestly, school days too. Okay. I'm in a, I'm on a college campus. And so I, and, and okay. it was filmed in Atlanta University Center. And so like all of the spots are very familiar to me. And so school days too. So that I, both of those. Great, great, great choices. choices. I, she's got to have it. She's got to have it. It's got to be my, one of my, uh, she's got to really? have it. <laughs> I, I still talk about how he was robbed uh, for best picture for Black Klansman. That was such a good movie. He got robbed that year. Third question of the Furious Five. What's the best meal you've eaten recently? Okay, so it is six men. I don't have little children. Let me let me help you sure. understand. Sure. My husband's a big burly guy, you know, six feet, 250, like big guy. Sure. All of my kids. All right. So then I have older children, right? 25, 22, big guys. Okay. Played football, real rough and tough, played sports. Um my 16-year-old was size 13 shoe, very tall, 6'3", wow. uh, yeah, 210. Big, big guys, okay? And uh, my son, Matthew, who is my second son, he is a phenomenal cook. Nice. He made recently this chicken Alfredo with broccoli, and it was delightful. He put Italian sausage in it. He made his own cream sauce. I was like, I taught this guy well. He's going to make some woman very happy because his mother, who is a fabulous cook, I'm a great cook, but I spend too much time doing this stuff <laughs> to, to be in the kitchen. So he pitches in all the time, but he makes fabulous, fabulous meals. But I promise you a couple of weeks ago, that chicken Alfred, as a matter of fact, I'm now trying to get him to remake it, but with different pasta and then also with some shrimp in it for me. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Fourth question of the Furious Five. What's your favorite book of all time? Of all time. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm such a nerd. So you're in good company on this podcast. It's listen, listen, I, I really thought thought this through because I, I, I read a lot of books, but one of the books that I really enjoyed when I was growing when I was growing up or going through school and I still like uh read it every now and again is Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurst. Wow. So I was that just thinking is, about that I was just thinking about PK, that man listen that that was like that was that 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 was hard wrenching. Now sure. my next favorite book of all time has not been published yet but it is about to so my son Seth yes my little genius is 
he and I co-authored a book called Seth Can Do All Things. And so it's a, it's a social learning book for kids who are on the spectrum. Um, it's, it's a book that really highlights diversity because we want to uh, create books for all different ethnic groups and cultures that really can, can so, so kids can really see themselves in these books. And so we're starting a series and Seth is the main character and literally the little character looks exactly like him. And now Seth has these cute little two dimples in his cheeks. And so really, really cute kid. I know he's mine, but he's really, really cute sure. kid. And, and so we're going to launch his book around the time of the Autism Speaks Walk in Atlanta, which um, is this coming October. So. Oh, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. You'll have to shoot us a link on uh, how to order that book when it becomes available. Absolutely will. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. The last question of the Furious Five is something that we like to call the contrarian question, and it's really Adam's question. So at this point in the show, I like to turn the mic back over to him. Adam, take it away. I'm bad cop. Come on. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Dr. Morris, I I'm curious. You've had a chance now to see VR up, up close and personal, and you've, you've been able to look at it through the lens of the learner. What do you know to be true about learning in VR that your colleagues who are advocates of VR might disagree with you on? Mm. What have I learned about learning? See, I thought I had an answer for this, but as we've talked, I've, I've kind of changed my tune. So what, what have I learned about learning in VR that other people would disagree about? Mm access to access to the technology for all students. I think it would be access to the technology for all students. I think that, you know, I, I would perhaps argue that um, learning is accessible for all the students, but I did definitely have a few students that found it quite challenging. Um, even though you would think that in this generation Z that they would have, you know, um, a good, handle over technology and they will really want to explore it in that way. I had some students that really, it wasn't like they were, were running from it, but it was hard for them to originally engage into, in the content in the same way. So there were some limitations. So I would, I would really push that it was accessible and uh, had the capacity to be used for all learners. Whereas I, I could see some of my colleagues say, Nah, not the case. Not so much. So that would be my answer. That's tremendous. Excellent. Dr. Excellent. Morris, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight. Um, how can our listeners find you on social media if they want to get in contact with you? So my professional profile is on LinkedIn. So you can just, I know, I have to spell my name, M-U-H-S-I-N-A-H, Morris. So Dr. Messina Morris on LinkedIn. I am at Dr. Messina on Twitter. I am also on um, Instagram and chemistry and um, Facebook. I'm also on Facebook. So I'm on all platforms, really. But well, I'm on TikTok, but I, I don't really do TikTok that much. But uh, if you really want to reach out to me about the VR experience and what I do, you'll find most of my work on LinkedIn. I also have a YouTube page. Uh, it's just if you Google Messina Morris and, and YouTube, you'll see some of my favorite things. You'll see um, uh, some of the work that my own, uh, we have like a digital 
kind of creation company that we we just started doing highlight videos and stuff like that for sports because I have so many boys, right? So uh, we do some some work, and so you'll see some of the things that we do there. But uh, those are the ways that you can you can catch up with me. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Uh, we've learned so much from you. We've enjoyed talking to you and we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed myself hanging out with you guys. And uh, thank you for, for having this, this wonderful podcast for us to be able to share our experiences. And I, I really, what we didn't talk about and what I'm really excited about is engaging in conversations about the metaverse. Okay. We'll have you back on the show real soon. And that'll be the topic. That should be. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. The metaverse to be continued. To you be continued. You yeah. heard it first on Ready Teacher One. Thank you so much, Dr. Morris. Have a great evening. All right, you too. Take care Thank now. You.